Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Hey, well, if you guys have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 10. And uh, we are moving through a series that we're calling Via Dolorosa, which means the suffering way or the road of suffering. And we're talking about um, what led Jesus to the cross. And we started a couple weeks ago, we looked at what is called Passion Week. Um, and it is the week that led up to Good Friday and then Silent Saturday and then Resurrection Sunday, which we celebrated uh, last Sunday. Was anybody at Easter in the Park? Man, wasn't it awesome? The weather was good and uh, people showed up. The band sounded amazing. People got, gave their life to Jesus. It was, a, it was an awesome Sunday. And so we sort of celebrated last week. And so now we're going to um, rewind, if you will, in our series. And we're going to talk about some of the big movements or um, decisions or emotions that led Jesus to the cross. Because although there was a road that he literally walked down while carrying his cross on the way to Golgotha or the place of the skull where he would be crucified, um, it wasn't just a random coincidence. It wasn't just a series of unfortunate events. It was actually um, predestined for Jesus to make his way to the cross. That long before the foundations of the world even, Jesus had his mind and his eyes set towards that day. And so we're going to talk about some of the things over the next few weeks that led Jesus to the cross. And I've titled this message um, tonight, The Road Love Traveled. The Road Love Traveled. John 10, um, beginning in verse 17. If you have a Bible, we'll be there. If you have the Bible app, you can open to it. Um, if you click the events portion, you can follow along with the notes there um, as well. John 10. You guys doing good? Everyone's happy to be here? Yeah, you're having a good week. School's almost done. I know we're, we're probably excited about that. Um, anybody have like finals coming up pretty soon? Finals coming up pretty soon? All right, all right. Probably about like three more weeks or something till finals. Three, 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 a week? Three more weeks probably. We'll go with three more weeks since you guys have no idea. Um, all right, John chapter 10, uh, it says this. The reason my father loves me, Jesus is speaking. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Um, I, I just, it just popped in my head. Can we give it up for Leah and what she shared tonight? Um, thank you so much. And uh, I think what an what a impactful and powerful word for our moment and our generation. And I think especially it's easy for you as young people um, to think about your life as one day will matter. In the sense of once I graduate high school or once I have my job or once I've finished college or once I've met my significant other, then my life will matter. And I think it's so important for you to know now your, your life matters now. 
God has a calling on your life now. And so much of the mess that I think my generation has created um, can be restored by young people giving their life to Jesus, trusting in his word, trusting in his plan, and letting God work in and through your life. And as we sort of declared that tonight, would you really let that sit on your heart and, and on your life? That God would use your life in an impactful way. And whatever situation or setting you find yourself in, God wants to use you. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your love for us. And God, we do thank you for that reality. God, would you use this group of people, Lord, every individual in this room, God, would you set their heart on fire for you? Would you empower them by your spirit? And would you send them out into their school, into their family, into their workplaces, onto their sports team um, with a calling and with the reality and with an assurance of who you are and what you want to do in their life. And Lord, we pray that Indian River County would not be the same as a result of the young people in this room. We believe it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, what is the craziest thing you've done for love? What's the craziest thing you've done for love? Some of you are probably like, hopefully nothing too crazy yet. Some of you have had some thoughts and you're like, that just seems a little ridiculous. Let me talk about some crazy things people have done for love. Um, it's going to begin with my beautiful wife, Hannah. Um, because she, she, so I, I was reminded of this story just recently. So, um, I kind of, I, I grew up here in Vero. Hannah lived in California. We intersected at one point in our life and I kind of fell head over heels pretty quickly. And so I was on a trajectory to basically win her over. Um, it, it, it took a little bit of convincing, a little bit of time, but it worked out. I've got a ring to prove it. Anyways, um, on our very first, it wasn't even a date. It was sort of like, a, I kind of, so long story short, I was the best man. She was the maid of honor in a wedding. And I, my, my sort of game, if we could say that I have game, um, was, hey, we should get together and uh, we should talk about our roles in the wedding. This was just like my way of saying like, hey, let's, let's hang out. So we're like, all right. Let's go. We're going to meet up at Starbucks. Well, I didn't know this. Hannah actually had just started a job um, at a flower shop, correct? Um, and uh, she was supposed to be working at the time we were meeting up at Starbucks. And she decided to blow off work, lose her job, and come meet me at Starbucks. She sort of counted the cost. She's like, let's see. Is this job going to work out or is this guy going to work out? And here we are, eight years into marriage, it worked out. She, it, was, it, was, it was worth it. So she risked a job um, for love. It's pretty crazy. I was reading about some other things that people have done for love. Um, I read about a guy that faked his own death in a proposal to his girlfriend. So he, he pretended or got in a car accident and then he was covered in makeup that looked like wounds and blood and flesh. And he laid outside of the car. And then the girl came up to him thinking he was dead after a car accident. And then he rolled over and proposed to her. She uh, was obviously shocked, very confused. <laughs> but she said yes. Um, I read about another one. I read about another one about a guy um, that was dumped by his girl, and he was like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. I need to win her back. And rather than um, buying her flowers or writing her a song, he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll make her feel really sad for me. 
So she, he begged his friends to shoot him three times because he thought, not like in the chest, but like in the leg, he thought, do you know what? If she saw me wounded, then maybe she would get back to me. Well, his friends were nice and said, we're not going to shoot you three times, but we'll shoot you one time. Shot the friend one time. Listen to this. The two friends got two years probation for shooting their friend. And the girl didn't take him back. She's like, that's messed up, man. It's pretty crazy things uh, people will do for love, isn't it? Sometimes you sort of lose your bearings. You lose sight of whether it's a job or sanity or safety. And you think, do you know what? It is it is worth it for love. The reason I'm bringing this up is because the primary thing that led Jesus to the cross was not betrayal from one of his friends. It wasn't jealous religious leaders. Um, it wasn't the Roman authorities. The thing that led Jesus to the cross was love. What motivated Jesus to walk down and endure all the things that he would endure ultimately and chiefly hanging on a cross, suffocating and dying for my sins and for yours was love. And love drove Jesus to the cross. And all the things that Jesus endured on the way was motivated and held together by love. Love for a couple things. Number one, his love for God. We just read in a verse in, uh, 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 in John chapter 10 is that the reason his father loves him, he says, is because I lay down my life. Jesus' love for God worked in obedience to God. Jesus, in an act of love to God, worked in obedience to God. We often think as love as some intense feeling or an interest in something, right? When we say, I love spaghetti, or whatever it is. Like that was the first thing that pops into my head. Spaghetti, I love spaghetti. I kind of prefer pasta, if I'm, I'm being honest. But we sort of think of love as um, something that we're interested in, or someone that we're interested in. But love is, is not just a feeling or interest in something. Love is, is often something that you do for others, even at the expense of one's comfort or preference. Love is something that you do for others. It's a way that you either lay down your life or give up your preference or give up your comfort in order to promote or, or, or show love to somebody else. And when Jesus was going to the cross, he was doing it as an act of love and obedience to God the Father. He, he says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. He says, nobody takes it from me, but I willingly lay my life down. And when Jesus was going to the cross, it was an act of love and obedience to God the Father. And listen, our love for God must look the same way. It is love by acting in obedience to the words and ways of God. Oftentimes we express, I love God, or I'm so thankful for God, or we sing about our love for God. And what love looks like in relationship with God is living in obedience to God. God says, this is the direction for your life. These are the plans I have for you. This is how I want you to live. And if we express that I love God, we must act in obedience to God. 
And Jesus' love for God was worked in obedience to God. He says, God loves me because I laid down my life. But Jesus' love for God also worked in harmony with God. Um, Jesus says in verse 18, he said, I have authority to lay it down, speaking of his life, and the authority to take it up again. When Jesus went to the cross, he was acting in obedience to God the Father, but also in harmony or unity with him. He says that there in that verse that he himself, Jesus himself, has the authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. We don't have that same authority, do we? Like usually somebody or something will take our life or take a human's life, and then that's sort of the end of the story, right? For Jesus, that wasn't the end of the story. Jesus says, I lay down my life. I'm willingly going to the cross. And then Jesus is saying, when the time is right, I will take up my life again. Jesus, over with his own authority, lays down his life and picks it up. The Bible also says, though, that God raised Jesus from the dead, or God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Listen to this in Acts 2.42. Somebody's preaching the gospel, and it says, This man, speaking of Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Listen, but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So God raised him from the dead. Jesus says, I have the authority to lay it down and to take it up. This verse says that God the Father raises him from the dead. Romans tells us that the Spirit, it is the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Romans 8.11 says it like this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The reason I say all of that is because we need to understand that the cross was a harmonious act of love within the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit worked in unity as an act of love for himself. It wasn't that Jesus sort of drew the short straw and had to go to the cross. It wasn't like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, like, all right, which one of us is going to be? Now, obviously, I'm talking complicated reality where our God is three in one. One God made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working in harmony uh, at all times. But it wasn't that Jesus sort of like, we're playing rock, paper, scissors, and he lost. This was the divine plan before the foundation of the earth as an act of love for the salvation of all humanity. You need to understand that when Jesus says, God the Father loves me because I laid down my life, he is working in obedience and harmony within the Godhead. And Jesus, the love that led Jesus to the cross was a love for God. But the love that led Jesus to the cross was also a love for us. Jesus loves you, so he went to the cross. 
Jesus saw your life. Jesus knew your struggles. Jesus saw your sins, your failures, your mistakes, and says, I love you, and so I'm going to go to the cross. Jesus, in the final night of his life, when he was eating the last meal with his disciples, right before he was betrayed, um, he said this about the reason he would go to the cross. John 15, 13. He says, greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for his friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus says, there's no greater love than this. That a person would lay down their life for their friends. Right? Think about that. That is probably the highest act of love you could possibly imagine. Right? The, the, the willingly taking up somebody, taking your own life for the sake and for the saving of somebody else. It's poetic, it's powerful, it's sort of like, it's, it's, it's cool to imagine, it seems really far-fetched to do in real life. I remember being a kid, and uh, I think it was Shane, I can't remember, um, but one of my siblings um, got in trouble, and they were going to get the paddle. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, they were going to get spanked. So, like, back when I was a kid, I don't know if this happened to you, but when I was a kid, like, I would say something, I would talk back, I'd do something to my parents. They'd send me to my room. My dad would come in, usually um, with a, a utensil from the kitchen. Um, so it's like my mom is, like, making spaghetti with it or pasta or whatever, Flint, like, grabs it, flings it in, brings it in, and it's like, all right. And do you know what the line they would say is? Actually, I don't know if my dad ever said this, but they say this in the movies. This is going to hurt you, or hurt me, <laughs> way more than it's going to hurt you. And then he proceeds to bring back his arm, get a running start. No, I'm just kidding. He was like, Hah! Nope, just me? All right. That's like not allowed. Are we allowed to talk about that? I don't know what happened. Here I am today, alive to tell the story, spanked, okay? Whatever. I remember one of my siblings was about to get the paddle, and, and I, I, do you know what? I did something heroic, but not heroic because I loved them, heroic because I felt guilty because the reason they were getting in trouble was really because of me. And I walked out, right? We were supposed to be in bed, and something happened. I walked out, and I said to my dad, I said, you should stop that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't spank him. And I said, spank me instead. <laughs> it's a true story. I was like 17. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I was like four or five. I don't know. Spank me instead. And I think, honestly, if it's too late for you guys now, but if you have little siblings, and you should tell them that it works because my, my dad was so moved by the act of love that neither of us got spanked. <laughs> so it was like... We, like, dapped each other up on the way back to a room, like, great plan. Good job, man. It worked. <laughs> but this, this, act of, this act of laying down my comfort, my preference, my, my whatever for the sake of somebody else. Jesus says there is no greater love than for someone to lay down their life for someone else. Going to the cross was an act of love for us. Listen, Jesus loves you, and he knows everything about you, and he still loves you, and he went to the cross for you. The driving force behind Jesus going to the cross was love. 
It was his love for God and us that caused him to endure all the betrayal, all the accusations, all the pain, all the humiliation, and all the suffering that he went through. He did it because he loves us, because he loves you, because he loves me. And I think sometimes we think of, especially sort of surrounding the Easter season, we think of it as sort of like a generic sense. Oh, yeah, we celebrate it every year. Like we do the, the thing, and then there's the, there's the Easter eggs mixed in, and then there's like somebody's house for lunch or brunch or whatever it is. And it's just sort of like the whole thing, you know? And it's easier for us to just sort of see it as like the thing, it's like Easter, and yeah, we got Friday off school. I'm not really sure why. We call it Good Friday. I, I don't get it, or whatever. And, and we don't realize the significance that what, what led Jesus to the cross was his love for you. He saw you, and he wanted to know you. And he wanted to provide for us forgiveness and atonement for all of our failure, all of our mistakes, so that we could be made right with God. And Jesus, when he says that there's no greater love than for somebody to lay down his life, he wasn't speaking a poetic phrase. He wasn't planting an idea. He wasn't saying, this is the act of love if somebody were to do that. Jesus was saying, this is what I'm doing for you. And now, for us, because we recognize that Jesus going to the cross was an act of love, now we must receive that love and allow that love to transform our lives. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. I want to read a, a final verse to you. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. It says this. For Christ's love, somebody say Christ's love, compels us. You guys can stop repeating me now. <laughs> because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again, was raised again. You could say it like this. Christ's love compelled him to die for us, and his love should compel us to live for him. Christ's love compelled him, drove him, made his decision that he was going to go to the cross and endure all the things that he would suffer and die for. And it was his love for God and his love for us. It was an act of obedience and an act of uh, harmony with, with God saying, I'm going to go to the cross. And it was his love for you. I said, I'm going to go to the cross. Now, let me just say this. Because we need to understand that it was necessary for Jesus to go to the cross. It's it, it kind of when we don't understand exactly all of the movements and all the things that's going on. It can almost feel like some person that died over there and then said, like, this was for you. And you're like, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for that. Like when there's like a disconnect, when we don't understand what's happening, even when I'm saying like, Jesus died for you, and you're like, okay, thanks. Like I don't really, I don't really understand. Well, you need to understand that all of us have, have made mistakes. All of us has done what the Bible calls sin. The idea of sin, the word sin, it literally means error or to miss the mark. It's, it's originally used in archery. 
So imagine you're doing uh, bows and arrows and you're shooting the arrow towards a target and there's the bullseye right in the center and your, your arrow misses the bullseye, right? You're aiming for perfection. You're aiming for that dot in the center and your arrow misses that mark. That's the idea of sin. There's a bullseye, there's a target. That target is perfection. That target is to be like God. And every single day we miss that mark. Every single day because of our own desires and because of influence around us and because of our emotions and because of our our situations at home, we miss that mark. And because of that missed mark, we can't experience God. Because of that missed mark, we always fall short of who God is and what God's doing and who God wants us to be. We over and over miss that mark until we sort of bury ourselves in sin and shame and grief and the inability to get up to that bullseye. And the longer we live without God, the more we experience the regret and shame and pain associated with our mistakes. And it can seem like, it can feel like through life that we just find ourselves buried in those shames and in those regrets and in those hurts, both that we've caused to ourselves and that we've caused to other people. And we've missed that mark. And there's nothing that you or I could do that could ever cause us to hit that mark. That's the problem. We've missed it and we continue to miss. And no matter how much we try, how much we, we attempt, how much we work, we will always miss that mark. But then Jesus shows up and Jesus lived a perfect life. He never did anything wrong. He never disobeyed, he never lied, he never thought an evil thought. He always did what pleased God. Jesus lived this perfect life for 30 something years. And then he went to the cross. And by going to the cross, what he was doing was receiving all of the punishment all of the, 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 all of the guilt, all of the, the separation that we've caused through our missing of the mark, Jesus bore that on his back. And Jesus, as a perfect, the Bible says, spotless lamb, went to the cross and bore our sin, our shame, our guilt, all of our wrong. Jesus took, paid the punishment for it. Jesus took the penalty. And when he did that, by taking our penalty, he made a way for us to hit the target. He made a way for us to hit the bullseye. The Bible says that he, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for you and for me, so that we, you and me, could become the righteousness of God. That all of our sin goes on Jesus and all of his righteousness comes on us. And so when we say that the love of Christ drove Jesus to the cross, we need to understand that it was necessary for us to receive the goodness of God, the plans of God, the the love of God here on earth, and then the promise of eternity with God. Jesus needed to go to the cross. And so it was his love that drove him there, knowing, knowing full well that some people would receive that love, knowing full well that some people would reject that love, knowing full well that there are people probably in this room that have received that love 
And there are people in this room that are hearing it even now and saying, that's for somebody else, that's not for me. Jesus went to the cross, knowing full well that some people would reject, some people would deny, some people would walk away, no thanks, I'm good, I don't need it, I'll, take, I'll, I'll figure out hitting the bullseye myself. Jesus knew it, and his love drove him there. And now, every single one of us has been given the opportunity to have relationship with God through the work that Jesus did on the cross. The reason I'm saying all of that is because I need you to understand that the, the sacrifice that Jesus made was not just something that he did over there. It, it wasn't something that was like, it happened over there and then he was like, okay, that was for you. And you're like, I don't understand how that was for me. What we need to understand is that our sin separates us from God, but the love of Jesus went to the cross and made a way for us to know God. And by knowing God, we have access to his love and to his plans and to his purposes and to the identity that he has placed on you. And now, like the apostle Paul would write to the Corinthian church, and he would say, the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ compelled Jesus to go to the cross and die for us. And the love of Christ that he has for us should compel us to live our life for him. Knowing that we've received all because of his grace and his love for us. And now you have an opportunity to walk with God, to experience his plans and his goodness and the favor that he has on your life. And all we have to do to experience that is believe in Jesus. Believe in what he's done. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved.